Welcome to the Tree Church Bible Study Podcast. My name is Chris Reed, and I'm the Director of Biblical Education here at the Tree. And uh, I get the honor and the privilege of hosting this podcast, of kind of leading the conversations that we have with this podcast. And I'm really excited about this new year. Uh, I know we this is not the first of the new year. It's not the first podcast we released in 2023, but it is the first of the new year for us. So um, we have finished off Hebrews, and we are kicking off a new series, a new season of of episodes, and we have a lot of great things and exciting things in store for you this year. And today we're going to get started with a Get to Know Your Bible series that we're going to be doing uh, kind of throughout the year. We're going to be adding them in and sprinkling them in, in between what we normally do with the Tree Church Bible Study, and that is process the books of the Bible. And, and the heart behind this is I want us not just to be able to be good, um, good uh, for lack of better terms, be good at understanding what the Bible says. I want us to have a good background of why the Bible is important to us, why it's unique, why we value it so dearly, um, why it's so complicated to read, and why why it takes things like this podcast to kind of get through and, and and better understand. And so I wanted to do a series where we we talk about those things. How did we get our Bible? Why do we think it's authoritative? What, what makes the Bible so unique and, and why it's so important to us? as believers. And so that's what this is stemming from. And and we'll kind of do three or four here and there, and then we are going to get back into the books of the Bible. We've got Jonah this year. We've got the Corinthians. Um, we're going to go through those two, and then uh, we've got a lot of cool things. We're actually going to do some Q&R uh, episodes this year where you get to submit your questions, and then uh, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about those questions and respond to the best that we're able. And and if you want to ask questions, whether it be past, about past podcast or about the things we're talking about today or the things we talk about in the future, there will be a new email address that you can submit all your questions through. And this will be live all the time. So at any point in time, you have a question about the podcast or you think you it's a Bible good Bible question that you would like answered on the podcast, you can submit that to tcbsquestions at the tree.church. That link, will, or that link will be in the show notes. So you can grab that link at any point in time and send us your Bible questions, and uh, we will process through those, like I said, on a few. We're going to probably try to do two or three question and response episodes this year. Well, today I'm joined by uh, Pastor Michael Giacomone. Pa- uh, Michael, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. That was such a good intro. Oh, thank you. That's like the thing that I, I genuinely think that's the thing I'm worst at in ministry. Like, <laughs> if, if you come to our church, you might notice on a Sunday, I very rarely do transition moments because I just feel awkward the whole time of like... I can't land a plane. So that was, I was just sitting here in awe, man. That was so good. Yeah, that's not normal for me either. Typically, this <laughs> was, was like really a, a three take thing for me, typically. So, <laughs> yeah, for those of you, you know, who don't know, that was one take. It was perfect the whole time. It was yeah. great. I'm really excited. Got me excited for this year in the podcast, man. That's awesome. awesome. Well, we're excited to have you here. And, and typically, we do it with two or three people, and we'll, we'll, we'll add more people in. Schedules are just kind of what they are right now. But, uh, and typically we start out with questions, but I'm not going to do that this time. We're just going to kind of jump on in and today we're going to be talking about how the Bible is unique and, and Michael, I know the Bible's played an important role in your life. Um, why don't you just kind of share the, the importance that you found? Uh, I know this is kind of an intro question and I'm going to just give you a softball one here. Yeah. How has the Bible played a unique role in your life? Not necessarily how you think it's unique, but how has it played a unique role in your life um, as you've come to read it as a believer? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my relationship with the Bible, um, I, you know, when I was a kid, I, I have really intense ADHD and I'm also dyslexic, not like as intense as intense as some people, but it's enough to be troublesome. Right. Sure. 
reading the Bible was not fun for me growing up. I grew up in a Christian house, hated reading the Bible, not my favorite thing. Um, and then when I, I kind of walked away from my relationship with the Lord. And when I came back into it, all of a sudden the Bible became very important where I just had the intellectual honesty to recognize if I'm going to believe this, mm -hmm. I'm going to believe that Jesus was who he said he was and that we serve one God who made all of this happen. I need to know what's in this book. Cause if there's sketchy stuff in here, I'm out. If that makes sense. Right. So when I was a kid, it was just like, that was the boring part of my faith. As a young adult, it was like, this might be the most important part of my faith. <laughs> like, understand, is this accurate? Do I believe in this? Um, and I'll never forget reading the gospel for the first time. It sounds like I was like 18 or maybe 17 years old reading through the gospels for the first time. I've been saved for all those years as a kid. It was my first time ever really reading it. I remember going to my youth pastor and being like, do you know what's in here? Like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> like, I don't know if you ever had that moment with the Bible when you really first start diving in where it's like, this is the coolest thing I've yeah. ever heard in my life. Where I also remember like I would have a thought and it would feel really profound. Like, again, I'm like newly saved. I have all these beliefs and things about the Lord and about my relationship with him. And I think something was really profound and I'd read the Bible and be like, well, that's, it's literally just a quote from Jesus. He already said this. I just didn't know it. Like it's, I just remember falling in love with the word of God for the first time in my life. Sure. <clears throat> I still struggle with like, I do to this day, the ADHD aspect of it. It's hard sometimes to keep track of my attention and, and like reading competency and all that stuff. But um, that being said, it's something that went from this laborious thing that I hated to something that gave me legitimate life and interest. Um, and, that, and, and then in Bible college, um, us and producer Alex, we, we went to a very similar, you know, if you don't know who Alex is, he produces a lot of all of our podcasts here at the tree. We went to a, um, not the same one, but um, a, a Bible school program called Master's Commission, which okay. is similar to SEU at the tree, where it's like you're interning at a church while you're doing online Bible college. A uh, master's commission was a little bit more unique where it was almost like Bible boot camp ish, where I had to memorize 10 to 20 Bible verses every week for years, the entire time I was there. And that almost ruined the Bible for me again. Where, <laughs> where I, I fell in love with it. And then it became more work because I just had to memorize it all. But all that said, throughout all those seasons, my perspective of the Bible never really changed. It was always, if what is written in this book is true, it matters to my life. And yeah. I've always had a sense of like sacredness to it. And I don't know that that's unique to me. I'm sure a lot of Christians can say that, but while that's a lot of ups and downs of what it looks like now, and then I'll even say the final season now that I'll do a podcast or teach sometimes my relationship with the Bible looks different now. And then I'm deep diving more than ever and reading commentaries more than ever and trying to understand not only what the Bible says, but why it says what it says and who was the audience to and what were the, what's, what's the original language written in and what was, what's the, you know, all the, all the surrounding elements of scripture, you know, that matters to me probably most now of really understanding appropriately, not just reading it at face value, but through all four of those different moments and seasons, the underlying tension, not, not the tension, the underlying truth is that this really matters to me. Yeah. You know? And I would say that that last part that you said is what made it came, come alive to me as well. Like super cool. So that, that getting to under, getting to know the Bible, the behind the scenes of it, getting to understand how God has, and, and I'm not going to, parse words of how he miraculously put this book together, how yeah. he miraculously sustained this book through the ages and how still it speaks so uniquely to each, each of our lives. Yeah. And, and, and so to understand those things, like the author, the audience, like all of the background information, like the more we understand of those things, the more I get, I come to life with my understanding of the word Super because good. it's so important for us to understand. And so like my, I was the same way. I grew up, the I, I knew I was supposed to read the Bible. Like I got saved. I was, I grew up in the church, knew the stories, Yeah, got saved when I was 18 and 
like knew I should read the Bible, but the Bible was boring to me and I had a hard time going That's to so it. That's so crazy to hear you say that. Cause yeah. I know you is, I know you in the last like, you know, eight years, which is yeah. a, kind of a Bible nerd. I say that in the most complimentary of ways, <laughs> yeah. like you have such a high value. Not that I'm surrounded by people who don't have a high value of sure. the word, but you certainly have a high value on the word and understanding the word and seem like a passion about consuming it, you know? Well, it's the more I understood the the stuff behind it, the more I was able to discover like the nuance and the, the, the uniqueness cool. of, that, that kind of plays into it. Like that really is what made it come alive. And, and honestly, this would, I would say, Pastor Matthew says this often, like his number one, like connection to God is like reading scripture. Yeah, I would say cool. I, mine's very similar. Like when I am learning about God, I am interacting with God and I feel yeah. close to God. And so like, that's, that's where the Bible comes to life for me. And that's why it's unique to me. That's so cool. Now, today we're going to talk about a little bit about the practical, the practical side of, uh, we're actually going to answer a couple different questions. We're going to talk about how the Bible's unique on a practical side uh, in the way that it's laid out, the way that it's written and whatnot. But we're also going to talk about like on the spiritual side, like how is Super the Bible good. unique in the way that it is? We say, and we believe that the Bible's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Mm hmm so how did that happen and and why would god give us this text in such a way why would why would the spirit yeah. do this and, and and give this text to us and so that's what we're going to talk about so the but first the bible is similar to other literature in a lot of different ways and so we have to acknowledge that and I, you talked about like you're studying authors you're studying the, mm -hmm. the background the, the history the context the Bible is similar in, in that way to any other book that we would read. It has an author. Yeah. The author is trying to communicate something. Right. They use language to communicate. Language is this, and what I'm learning is I study Greek, like language is this super um, important and vital thing for human beings, but it's always changing and in flux, which makes hmm. makes understanding makes and translating. kind of challenging. Yeah, yeah you, you're nailing jello to a wall, Right, right, because so, they're also, used, I mean, there's so much, not even just language, there's literary devices, everything. So we know yeah. in our English language, we have things like analogies and irony. Yeah. We were talking about metaphor. Jonah, hu metaphor, humor, like you have all yeah. these satire, you have all these you know, literary devices that help communicate your point, whatever you're trying to get across, learning that in an ancient text, let alone something in an ancient language, very complicated. Yeah. yeah, well, think about it this way. Like you tell a joke, and it hits for some people, yeah. and it doesn't hit for other yeah, people, sure. right? I'm, so, I'm used to that feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Context matters, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. So imagine a, a joke told in first century <laughs> uh, Palestine, right. and 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 then us trying to pick up on that, right? Thousands of years later, absolutely. you know what I mean? So like, or, yeah, it, it hits different. Yeah, absolutely. My wife is Puerto Rican, and, and her whole dad's side of the family, they're like from Puerto Rico. They're great people, but. Um, Spanish is such a beautiful language and you'll hear them say some things in English that originate in Spanish and it, it sounds clunky and strange and it's always followed with, it sounds better in Spanish. Like, yeah. this is like this is not the way that's meant to be said. It's a weird analogy when you hear it in English, but there's something about hearing it in its original context that yeah. lacks the power or the beauty or the meaning. Yeah, for sure. So that's, I mean, the, that's what makes the Bible such kind of a nightmare at times to fully understand because it's like, man, we were talking about a language that I don't speak in a culture that I've never been in a country I've never been to. Yeah. Really complicated. Yeah. So, so it uses, the Bible uses all of these literary devices, all of these different, very human ways of communicating to human people. It, it, yeah. It's much like the church. Like the, the church sure. is a human uh, entity of a divine and a spiritual thing on earth, right? Like yeah. it's both the, the human and the divine. And so the Bible does have very similar genres 
It uses poetry, right? Like apocalypse, prophecies. Mm-hmm. It uses all these different ways to communicate to human people through human ways. Yeah. And yet we believe that it's divine, that it's inspired, that there's something different and more unique to it. So before we get into that, though, I do want to talk about how it's unique in its makeup. So typical books, when we pick up, um, the Bible's unique. Uh, Typically, books we pick up, we pick them up, and we typically start front to back, right? Mm -hmm. You read a novel, you want to start, know where the story starts. I, I forget who told me. I was talking to somebody at one point in time, and they're like, nope. I go to the back page, read that first, and no then way. I go back to the That's front. how they read books? Yeah, somebody was telling me that. I don't remember. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> I'm like, and, and, and. You just ruined the whole book. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a surprise at the end, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But typically right. you're following a plot line. Unless you you're that know. lunatic. Normally you read the book. <laughs> I'd be careful. I don't know who told that to me. So you might know that person. I'm going to need a text from someone later. Hey, jerk. I'm so sorry. You're not a lunatic. That is funny, though. I've never heard of someone doing that. So, but but the book uh, of the Bible is really an anthology of multiple writings. Right. It's a collection of writings. And, and it dates back thousands of years. And so... When, when we pick up a book, we read it from front to back, but the, the, the Bible is not laid out quite in the same way that, right. that those books are laid out. So you could pick up the Bible, and you're going to see that it's, it's broke up in different sections, so that's going to be weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like It is going to be laid out in an organizational way, but yeah. it's not necessarily always chronolo- chronology. Have, now, have you ever tried to pick up the Bible and read it from front to back? Uh, yeah, I have a couple times. So I did... Um, once when I first got saved, I made it a goal, probably, you know, maybe my first year of Bible college to read through the whole Bible in a year. Um, and, and I've done that. I think that was the first time and maybe only time I'm actually doing full transparency. I'm doing that again this year, trying to read through the Bible in a year, which is not something I normally think is the best idea. It's right. just like one of those, like, you know, it's a good refresher to try to get through, you know, usually I think sometimes when you have a big lofty goal, you can kind of, you know, get move past Pretty stuff and yeah. not really, not really intake everything you're reading if you just have a goal in mind like that. But uh, but I remember the first time I read through it front to back was um, when I read through it in a year. I read through it again. I, there's a chronological bi- Bible you can buy. I actually think if you have version, you can read a chronological Bible there. Where it's not even, the books aren't even lined up chronologically. It's literally verse by verse. So there'll be massive chunks that are together, mm-hmm. but sometimes it'll be cut by one other single verse that happened right in that moment. That was pretty interesting because it's like trying to understand a lot what would have been foreshadowing before or a callback now is literally moment by moment. I read through the whole Bible like that one time, uh, some, sometime as a young adult. I don't remember when it was now. And then just throughout the years, the, the volume of Bible content, I'm sure it's has like culminated as a few more times, you know, I just, I just have it as a personal philosophy as well to try to read a chapter of it a day. Uh-huh. I've done it since Bible college. I'll do other Bible studies as well, but just almost habitual. I'll, I'll listen to it a lot. I think that counts. Some people say it doesn't. I think it counts. I'll listen to a chapter of it a day. And so the amount of times I probably made it through is probably a couple just from that. Um, but I haven't done it intentionally like I am this year in a while, like trying to get cover to cover, reading it from front to back. Yeah. So two things. First, listening to it would be the way that most people would have heard it in the first century. Like the, the Ooh, that's that a they, good take. That's going to be my response now. Yeah. They did not have, like, it was a rare thing to have yeah. a text of Scripture. So it would have been like something that they heard read at synagogue, or it would have been something that they would have... Um, had read to them when they gathered together. I like it. Yeah. So um, second thing, and confession time for me, I've never read front to back. No way. Never. 
You've never done like a year plan or anything like that? No, I've tried it multiple times. You want to know where I get? <laughs> Exodus? <laughs> Numbers. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I typically, I'm like, all right, I need some New Testament in here. So, do you think, <laughs> so in spite of the fact that you've never done a cover-to-cover -cover reading. I've read all of You've probably yeah, read yeah. The, every book at some point, every yes. verse. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's where it's hard to quantify. Like the amount of times is probably hard to pick, you know, but yeah, cover-to-cover, I've done it twice. If you ever get bored, the chronological way to do it is in, it's, it's interesting. It's Does it break like, the books up? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, at least the version that I did, you're going to read chunks of different books of the Bible. Within the yeah, so it's literally you'll be reading, you'll be reading Psalms, and it'll call back to Samuel out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like literally yeah. within the Psalms, it's not they throw books out the window and just write the every verse chronologically, which is kind of like a, a like a bit. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. probably the best way to consume biblical content because you're yeah. removing things out of its context. But it was interesting. You know, it it, it kind of plays out the story though. It gives you the plot it line. Does. It made it read more like a narrative. Yeah. You still get the boring parts where it's a hundred people's names in a row and you're like, all right, oh, this is boring. But you know, for the most part, it made it a little bit more narrative driven, which is something I've always connected to. So if you have a hard time getting through it, that might be a good way to jump in. Yeah, and I would say a lot of people, when we talk to a lot of people, they that's kind of their their go-to. Like, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to start to Genesis and I'm just going to kind of read through it. Sure. That's and like that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Like, that's... You can do it. Michael's done it a couple times. Yeah. Um, but but just understanding that the Bible's not always intended to be read from front to back. Right. Now, that said, there is a unity, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Sure. There is a unity that goes from front to back. But at the same time, like you're reading texts that are in one instance is the genre of narrative. And then it, you're reading poetry. And yeah. then you're reading like this prophecy. And then you're reading wisdom literature. Mm -hmm. and, and so like... Not only is it mixed up chronologically, yeah. it's mixed up by genre. Like, and so it's kind at of times written to different audiences. At times, yeah. written, in some cases, thousands of years apart. Thousands it's like you're, you're apart. talking about yeah. it's one book, but it's the the farthest thing yeah. from one. But it's a lot of books and it's a lot of context within this one really beautiful book. Yeah, yeah. and so this is jarring. It, it, it can be jarring for somebody who's learning how to read scripture. Yeah. Um. So how would you? That being the case, that that it's broke up in a couple different ways, like. How would you encourage a, a someone who is new to the Bible to to begin to read Bible? Where yeah. would they start? What's the best plan to take? Like, what's your thoughts on that? Super good question. I'm, can I give you like two sides of a coin? Sure, absolutely. I think it depends on you as a person and what your goal is. I think the peak for everybody that we should all strive to be is biblical literacy and knowing what we're reading, not just reading it. So when I said earlier, like I'll read a chapter a day or this year, I'm going to try to read through the Bible a year. That is cool, but it also it doesn't give you the time because you have a goal to really break down and understand everything being written. It's one component of your Bible study. Exactly. It's one part of your Bible study. The, the end all be all is biblical literacy. It's like, I want to read this and comprehend it. And then obviously as a Christian, apply it. Like that's not so much about biblical literacy, but that's still the important step. You want to apply it. So for me, the, the end goal should be, I want to read a passage and either through a couple resources, one could be revelation of the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit speaking to you as you read mm -hmm. and helping you understand it supernaturally. It could be you reading a commentary along mm -hmm. with it, which is something <clears throat> biased. Study Bibles are great. I've read the ESV study Bible. I got one right when I became a pastor. I think you recommend it to me. It's incredible where it's just half the pages, the text, half the pages, a breakdown of what all that means and what it looks like. And mm -hmm. that's like, um, that's one of my favorite things to do to really not just read it, but comprehend it. That to me is the end goal. Or like I said, lit, lit, reading, doing the tree church Bible study. I, it, wouldn't it be cool if one day we had literally every verse of the Bible covered in a podcast? Yeah, you know that'd I mean? be awesome. Just, so you can literally read through the Bible with people breaking it down who do have, you know, who have went to school for this, who have had, you know, experience in understanding this stuff. Um, that to me is the end all be all. However, that's really difficult. You know what I mean? That's right. like the final stage of like biblical literacy. Like I want to read this, understand it. 
if you find yourself in a place where you're like, that sounds terrifying and frankly, very boring and it's going to demotivate <laughs> me. I think like another route to go, another approach is to get a really easy to understand translation. Personally, I'm not like the biggest fan of the message, but I think it's fine. It's still the Bible. Get the mm -hmm. message or NLT is great. NLT is like my favorite for, for teaching youth or even just if I'm reading it for fun. If I'm just reading, if I'm reading Exodus, I'm going to read it through NLT. If I'm, if I'm studying it for a message, probably not. But finding a translation that connects and that is really easy to understand that makes it a little bit more fun and palatable to read it and do that and just read it like it's a story. You know, so if you're like, dude, the idea of Bible study is terrifying to me. Yeah. That should still be your goal, but there's <laughs> nothing. <laughs> but do what you have to do just to like just to consume the biblical content, just to read it. It doesn't matter how you do it. Get an action Bible. They're great. Isn't like, it's like the comic one, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. And there's like, it's like a lot of biblical richness. If, that, if that's your first step, let that be your first step. My kids love that Bible. And they, when I would read it to them when they were younger, I was always intrigued. Like for one, like who doesn't like a comic book? You know sure. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, absolutely. So absolutely love that. Um, but then too, like, like, the way it summarized stories, it's great for learning like the content of the Bible. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, absolutely, absolutely. So for me, it's like they're like I guess the best approach is whichever one you're actually going to want to do, because mm -hmm. that's like the discipline's really hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I saw this post. This is kind of a little bit of a tangent, but like I saw this post on Instagram yesterday. It was talking about New Year's resolutions and goals, and this guy was like, "Man, I'm in the best shape of my life, and it's not necessarily because of discipline." He's like, "I've set my life up in a way that I can eat really well." by by my lifestyle not because of a choice yeah. i only put healthy food in my house i only you know he yeah i only have sold his car yeah. he's like i own like so i have to bike when i go places it's like so i've set my which is very dramatic but <laughs> my environment makes it so i don't have to exercise discipline it's my lifestyle that sets me up to be healthy then i exercise discipline when i'm out to eat with friends or when i like that's when i need to use my discipline to like sure. no make the right decision when i can't I would say the same thing about Bible, about reading your Bible. Like discipline is really challenging at times. And if you're not in a place in your life, there's nothing wrong with that. Not all of us are the most, I have tons of areas that I'm not disciplined in. If you don't have that biblical discipline, do the thing that's going to be the most easy that you want to stick to and yeah. at least start there. Yeah. At some point, move on and like try deeper things. But right. I don't know. I just, the thing that you're actually going to do is what I'd advocate for. Yeah. And honestly, the um, Tree Church Bible, or Tree Church Daily Devotional is a Super great place good. to start. Yeah. And I, shameless plug so because sure. i i'm responsible for that too but shameless plug <laughs> like it, it is a place where you're going to get a scripture you're going to get an explanation and a story of how it and an and action step to take like how it applies to your life yeah and it's really the simplest way to begin to encounter scripture and then and and then from there like going to things like what you said like the action bible um i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna be honest one of my favorite bibles to read is the jesus storybook bible it's, um, I don't know if your daughters have it. I, mm -mm. We got it for our kids when they were, um, uh, they were young. They were probably about your daughter's age, like okay. toddler age. Sure. And we would read this to them at nighttime. And it, it, what it does is it takes all of the stories of scripture and shapes it in a way that like shows how Jesus interacts with the story, oh, like how it points cool. to Jesus. And, and that is a, a really cool way of yeah. reading scripture. Now you're going to be like, this is a kid's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like I would yeah. weep every time I would That's read awesome. and you know what I mean? And so well, you like, know what's so cool about that? That is all throughout scripture. As you read it, it's all pointing to Jesus. Right. That's hard to see sometimes the untrained eye though. Yeah. <clears throat> the amount of times you'll read something and just take it as is. I don't, you're gonna have to correct me if I'm wrong. If this is super biblically inaccurate, we can cut it out of the podcast. But <laughs> I, I heard this in Bible college. I haven't fact checked it since, but I remember someone told me the first ever like messianic prophecy 
was essentially God saying like the heel of man will strike the head of the serpent. Yeah. Like that, that is the first yeah. time we're going to talk about the fact that one day Jesus is going to defeat evil, yeah. uh, defeat Satan, and like right this wrong. I wouldn't know that reading it like Genesis reads like poetry and it's very beautiful. Right. I would read it as, as is, you know, yeah. but knowing like, no, there's something to that. Like we're talking about the fact that Jesus will save us one day. That's super easy to miss unless you went to school for it or have a pastor breaking it down for you. And that's where I think a Bible like that, anything that's going to expose you to deeper truth like that, man, mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter if it's a kid's book or not. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that, that so nerd speak. That's called the proto evangelion. That's like okay. so. That's nice. what like the nerd version of it. So, sure. Yeah. Um, is that but, is that true though? I don't want to say something that's not yeah, right. If that's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. A Very lot cool. of scholars think that, and and we we're gonna talk later on. We're gonna talk about a little bit about like how to interpret, how to pick up uh, Old Testament allusions, like and sure. how the the two play together and whatnot. How the New Testament and the Old Testament break up. Um, but like, yeah, the, the idea is that all throughout Scripture, you see these links that that the New Testament links back to the Old Testament. The, yeah. the New Testament is written in such richness of an understanding of the Old Testament Scriptures. Mm. So um, all of the writers of the New Testament were saturated in the Old Testament Scriptures. They understood them. They So when yeah. they look back on on these writings, they're reading them, they're going, oh, I see Jesus there. Oh, I see Jesus there. Yeah. Look there. Like when That's when awesome. Moses wrote this thing about like this snake, the, like the curse of the snake, mm -hmm. like it was in lieu of Jesus who fulfills awesome. this. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Cool. So like, yeah. so yeah, like it, you see God's plan play out through all of this entire Bible, which is a great transition to what we're going to be talking about next. And sure. it's the idea that the... We see the Bible as different because we believe it's inspired by God, i.e. the Holy Spirit has given us um, right. God's words, God's thoughts to us um, through the Scripture. Now, when I say that, what are your expectations that you bring? Because I think people bring expectations when they hear the Bible is the Word of God they bring expectations to it. What are the expectations that you bring when you hear that? Yeah, like, are you talking about right now as is, as a pastor, when I hear I would the, say, go ahead and talk about, like, the history of your thought on that. Like, Yeah, sure. So so when I was, when I walked away from the Lord, I thought the inspired word of God was nonsense. I was just like, well, like, sure, it may, people may have been feeling like they were hearing from God, but, like, at the same time, I've never met a person that was perfect, and it came from their pen, so pass. Like, that was my thought. Right. It was easy to intellectually dismiss the Bible as an authoritative, spiritually inspired work. I don't know that I've ever would have said that they were just a bunch of liars trying to like sell snake oil. I thought that people thought they were having genuine encounters with God. But when I was an unbeliever, I was really just like disgruntled with the idea that there could be a perfect work from the hand of man. That just felt very like a broken concept to me. So that's where I was at that point. Now what I view it as a miracle, as one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us, saying like, you know, I will work through imperfection of my own creation mm -hmm. to create something perfect. And you might see, think, as I did, that that's outlandish, but so is like someone raising from the dead and turning water to wine. Like, <laughs> right. Like the principle of the word is inherently outlandish. Like yeah. every, everything we read about, we were just talking about like Jonah, like ridiculous. Like the story is ridiculous. That even someone being the stomach of a fish, there's so many crazy things in the Bible that's already so bizarre. Let's not make that the one thing that's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? If you, if you believe it, that it's the inspired word of God, if you believe that these people were having these encounters with the Holy Spirit, I can also believe that the Holy Spirit facilitated the text with, with perfection and intent, even if it was through the hand of a broken person. So all that said, I view it, the Bible is the inspired word of God. 
God's revelation to us, his teaching to us through man, but made perfect through his spirit, if that makes sense, although it was through broken vessels. Absolutely. And, and that's a great way to think about it. And and honestly, we listened to a teaching by Pastor Matthew yesterday for, for um, our, our staff devotional time. Yeah. And he talked about how God always works through this process of the supernatural, the spiritual, and the physical. Super like, cool. and, yeah. and you look at you look at scripture. You look at the history of how God works, uh, as is explained through the Bible. Granted, but what you see is that that God comes and He interacts with humanity, and He interacts with people, and He works with people, and He partners with people to accomplish the things that He's doing. Now, right. is it because they were doing the physical acts, or is it because the Holy Spirit was moving? In those those times, mm -hmm. the, the answer is what? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, both in. It's both and in. And that's the trick of it. It's you think it has to be one or the other because that's how we're almost programmed to think. It's like, well, if it's not God, it's man. If it's not man, it's God. But that's what makes the Bible so. You know, we talk about the uniqueness of it. It's yeah. like, No, this is a marriage between the two, not a divorce, not a separation. It is a marriage of the brokenness of man and the in the. And men having the wisdom to say yes to the revelation that God's given them, yes to the knowledge that God's giving them, but also God facilitating that and stewarding over it with the perfection and the quality control of the Holy Spirit. Sure, absolutely. And I think I, I asked you the question I did, like, what are the expectations you bring? Because I think at times when we hear this is the Bible, this is the Word of God, that, yeah. that God floated these scriptures. I think we almost get the picture of like Moses up on a mountain. God's writing this this book with yeah. his finger. Right. You know what I mean? Like and 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 that that is part of it. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like there is that. Like it's like the childlike thought. It's almost yeah. just like God almost possessing man to do this thing. But the reality is that's not that's not what it was. Like when Paul's writing his letters, it's not a possession of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. He's submitting to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that brings me to the to the question. That, how do you, when you're, when, because you and I would say we partner with the Holy Spirit and, and that the Holy Spirit works through us. Sure. How does that happen for you? Yeah. So for me, um, so I grew up, we were just talking about, I grew up super Pentecostal, right? So like I grew up with a high emphasis on the movements of the Holy Spirit. So that's not foreign to me. Sure. Um, to some people, that's kind of weird. The idea of praying or submitting to the Holy Spirit, even if you don't have a religious context, you might call it your conscious, like this nagging inside of you, this feeling of like what's right and what's wrong and what should I do in any given situation. From a young age on, I was taught to believe that that's the Holy Spirit. Sure. So for me, my relationship with submission to the Holy Spirit, in spite of the fact that I'm still like a sinful person, is a very fluid relationship of active listening and active participation. So like for me, it's anytime I have a feeling about something, I very rarely chalk it up to a feeling unless it's like one that would lead me in a sinful direction. That's like, <laughs> let's ignore that. Like, sure. that's like, you know, if it's like anger or something sinful, but I, so here's like a, here's like a, like a really quick story where I would say, I think would illustrate what I just said pretty well. When I, early on in being a pastor, I'll never forget. This is such a specific moment in my life. I'll never forget it where I was um, <clears throat> talking to somebody and I knew something was wrong. Like I knew it. And I just, I knew, and I knew what it was, you know what I mean? I knew like, I just had this feeling of like the Holy Spirit so clearly put in my heart, like that person's dealing with this right now. You should talk to me about it. When I say that, I think people expected it's the audible voice of God. Yeah. I've never experienced that. It was this intense feeling of like, you know, it almost, it's your own thought, your own thought speak, but it's just almost this pooling of like, why? And in that moment I was like, that's weird. Like, no, <laughs> I was yeah. like, I'm not going to roll the dice and say like, Hey, are you like struggling with this? Are you okay? Is there something like going on here? And I didn't say anything. And I kid you not, two weeks later, like a devastating thing came out that like that hurt that person's marriage. You know, this is like, you know, seven years ago now. And it broke my heart. But it was this lesson of like, so that was the Holy Spirit 
And I don't know that if I would have submitted to the Holy Spirit in that moment, that it would have changed that outcome. But I remember how heartbreaking that feeling was to me of like, I knew like the Holy Spirit gave me that. The Holy Spirit gave me that revelation. He, it, he, he moved through me. He was leading my life. And I said, no, as a pastor, mind you, I'm not talking about being a kid. This is as I was already a pastor. This is something that happened to me. And, and I, and I, and you think I would have known better because I grew up in this Pentecostal environment where I was used to the idea of feelings being Holy Spirit driven, especially if it's something that would bring out something positive or like something holy. And in that moment, I said no to that. And it, and it, to this day, it doesn't haunt me in the sense that I'm, I'm still guilted by it. Like I've offered that up to God and I've, and I've grown from it, but it sticks with me in the sense of, I don't want to do that again. If I feel something, especially if it's something that's going to bring about something holy or good or righteous or beneficial or bring glory to God or edify his people, I'm going to call it the Holy Spirit. I'm going to submit to it. And then if I ever guess wrong, I'm like, oh, I guess that was just me. Then I'll apologize really quickly. You know what I mean? But that's like that, I guess, is when I think of like being led and being inspired by the Holy Spirit in my day to day life. It's just that recognizing his voice and listening to it. Don't trust it. It's just a feeling. It's probably not. And then submit to it. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that is how I envision a lot of 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 Scripture being produced sure. by the, by these men and by the, and, and the potential of even women writing some of these some of these we don't know who the, were the authors sure. of the books so but like you do get the instances where where Moses is up on the mountain he meets face to face with God maybe God is dictating to him what to write down in, in these these mm-hmm. books and what to write down um, and, and to give to the people the law of God was given from the hand of God and so yeah. you you see a a level of supernatural working in to provide some of these texts, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but also, um, and, and from time to time, you see them, you see visions where, sure. um, where like John in Revelation, where he has his vision. And so it, that's almost like the, the supernatural end of things yeah. where you were saying like, sometimes God creates this space for me in this, mm. this time and he works in this way. But most times it's, it's, it's what you mentioned. It's, I feel this nudge from the Holy Spirit. There's this thing going on. Yeah. I have to I have to do this and I have to respond to this. And that's really how we see a lot of things show up. You, you said it earlier, Paul responds to these situations and led through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's answering like how to deal with these situations in the early church. Yeah, Large, largely letters. in like a corrective situation where a church is yeah. doing something wrong. He has to correct them as, a, you know, having authority. And if you're not led by the Holy Spirit in that moment, it's right. a disaster. And that's yeah. where we do trust that it's the inspired word of God. Cause it's like, that's beyond human wisdom. Like that wouldn't be Paul's advice if it was just his, you know, regular recollect or thinking, logical thinking. It's pretty specific. Like, well, God was breathing on that. But what's amazing is, is God even does uses those types of writings. I mean, think about the apostle or not the apostle, but the, the, the author Luke. Um, sure. Like, so Luke sits down and he, from all intents and purposes, it looks like he writes a, a history. He, yeah, he, yeah. he, like he researches, he looks at all the, the eyewitnesses. He goes to them and talks yeah. to them. He collects all these stories and then he's puts this together. And, and so from all intents and purposes, you would say, you would say that, that he used the natural giftings and skills that yeah. he was given and participated with the leading of the Holy spirit, because Luke doesn't write just a history of it. He right. is writing a theological history. He's trying to tell a story in it. And yeah. so the Holy Spirit leads these things. So these writings, they're, they're inspired and sometimes they're, they're led through their own gifting, kind of like what you do with writing music. Like, yeah. and, and, and we're going to talk about kind of the difference. We, we <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk no. about the difference between sure. 
being inspired now and being inspired yeah. as in like scripture, we'll talk yeah. about that. I but think that's a really good example though. Of like, well, we can do it in a second. No, yeah. you're okay. You can talk. Go yeah. Ahead. So like, so for those of you who have never like written a song or tried to, first of all, I would encourage, it doesn't matter if you're a musician or not. I think writing music is cool. If, I would encourage anyone to try to write a song. It's a fun process to participate in, but there are definitely moments where I will write something understanding that that was me submitting to the spirit because it's something beyond my own understanding or even like, my ability. I have a very accurate understanding of that, of how <laughs> not talented I am at certain things or how, but you are talented at well, certain that's things. That's very kind. That's very kind. But even my own wisdom, like I, I don't, have you ever had this talking to somebody where you say something and you're like, that's smarter than me. You know what I mean? Sure. I think a lot of Christians can probably recognize that of like, wow, that was like, I just dropped some wisdom that I don't even know or apply in my life. That feels like it's from the Holy spirit. Writing can be super similar where, where I literally be playing guitar and find like a four chord progression and just sing something and then out will come a lyric that like resonates so much. And it's not, again, it's not the Holy Spirit possess, like possessing me to write that. It's submitting to him in that moment and going where, 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 where he's pulling me and submitting that and allowing it to happen. And while it's different than like biblical authority, right, it's, right. The, it's a similar, it's a similar feeling of like you are receiving with, and submitting to what the Holy Spirit is giving you and stewarding over it which still has to be filtered through your prefrontal cortex, your brain, right. your personality, the sin in your life. It's still human affected, right? Especially with me, I'm not working with like writing biblical authority and, and something infallible. It's just not my own song. But that being said, it's still submitting to the spirit in that moment and what he's pulling your heart into. Yeah. And the, and the point that I'm driving home is this, like the Bible, you get sometimes at times supernatural inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. At times you get what looks like a very natural process yet it's filled with the Holy Spirit and inspired by the Holy Spirit. And all of these different ways are ways that the the, the biblical text is collected and written. Yeah. And and we we read the, the, the scriptures to our detriment if we neglect the human side of it. Yeah, I agree. And if we neglect the fact that the Spirit is leading and guiding. Now, like I said, I'm not... A, I wasn't trying to equate like that. What we do now, the the things that we do now, are on same the same par. They don't have the same authority as the as what scriptures are. That that that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is the mode and method yeah, is a, very much still absolutely active yeah. in 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 and role. And we do, we believe. I mean, we believe as a church that that God still gives us words of prophecy. Absolutely. And and it shows up in different ways and at different times. And so. We still believe that God inspires and God reveals. We just don't hold it on the same authority right. as the scriptures. And, and we're going to talk about that. That That's actually one of the topics we'll talk about in this series. Awesome. Um, so I'm not going to delve into it right now. Sure, I want to yeah. continue in the idea of, of, of God inspiring. But we've talked about kind of how God inspires. Now I want to talk about why God inspires. Hmm. So the, I, I think we don't ask that question enough. Like, why would God give us this text? Why would He yeah. give us this special, uh, this special revelation to so that um, so that we could have this text that we call the Holy Bible? Yeah, yeah. I think anytime you ask a question, anytime I ask like a why question, why did that person do that? Why would God do that? Um, I think it's really easy to to approach it from the perspective of what problem were they trying to solve. That's like a good philosophy in general if you're like in a marital dispute or like, <laughs> or like you're arguing with your friend or you're trying to figure out why God wrote something in the Bible. Oftentimes when people communicate something, they're trying to solve a problem or they're trying to create, you know what I mean? They're, they're, yeah. trying, to, they're trying to teach you something that's going to make your life better, their life better. It's problem solving. It's active problem solving. 
So for me, when I asked that question of like, why would God give us this inspired, you know, holy word? It's like, well, he's solving the problem of our own, our own mess in our own minds. Um, do you think I, we talked about this yesterday. Do you think the book of Eli example might be like a good example of like how, how that, do you remember yesterday when we were talking yeah. about, so there's a movie called, I wouldn't recommend it, but there's a movie called, it's a rough movie, it's but a rough it's a movie. movie. It's, but the, the, it's, yeah, you can call it a Christian. I would call it a Christian movie, but it's a rough movie. It's called the book of Eli. It's rated R by the way. It's just, rated R. Yeah. Just so so just, knows. yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's all about this guy who's, who is delivering the final, he has one final copy of the Bible and the plot just at the end is that. He loses it, but he had it memorized because he read it every single day. Or no, he uh, it was written in he, Braille. Yeah, he was blind. Spoiler alert. But yeah, oh, he was blind. oh, man, sorry. Yeah. It's an old movie. Your it's an old movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he's memorized it because he uh, read it in Braille so many times. But the idea of the antagonist in that movie, his whole principle is like, if I can just get a copy of the Bible, I can twist it and I can manipulate it in a way that I can create this like post-apocalyptic community the way I see fit. There's something about spirituality that can be manipulated, that can be hurtful, that can be literally, as the antagonist in this movie would communicate, can yeah. literally take over a whole town of people. He's like, I don't, I just need the words. I need this. There's something about spiritual manipulation that's so tangible. Yeah. That's why the word of God matters. Because if everyone had a copy of the Bible, not just him, like if he solved, if he actually got that copy and sure. was able to understand it and was able to keep from it. If everyone had that copy of the Bible, they could read it too and be like, that's not what that says. <laughs> that's not the context. You know what I mean? All of a sudden it becomes really important to, for everyone to have an equal understanding of this and to be able to read it and to be biblically literate. The reason why God gave it to us is because spirituality can be so manipulated and twisted in something that's meant to be core to our DNA can be one of the biggest detriments to us without having the word of God, without having these parameters, without having the inspired word of God to say, this is what I'm telling my people. This is literally a guidebook to who I am. Mm -hmm. Without that, people can twist spirituality. People can twist religion. I mean, how many times do we see that now with wide access to the Bible of religious leaders saying things that are inaccurate or twisting the word of God? It happens right now with wide access, you know, let alone without it. And I think that's where God's ultimate generosity by gifting us the Holy Bible was to really give us a, a box to live in of like, this is who I am, you know? And, and so now you all know. So, so you can know me better so you can act accordingly. Yeah. Know? And all of that comes within the context of knowing who, knowing who God is. Like it's exactly what you just said. It's, it's the idea that God was, let's just say God was wherever he is. He's on his throne in in the heavens and, yeah. and, and he decides to create man and man walks away from him. And so he, he writes the, he, he writes himself into Revel or um, Romans says he writes himself into creation mm. so that the, so that his creatures would know that he's there that yeah, he exists incredible. that um, the, the parameters that that he wants in relating to him you know yeah. what I mean that, that you mentioned there like so God begins to reveal himself to humankind so that they would what so that they would know him yeah you so know what I mean him. yeah absolutely so if you were how did you get to know your wife? Sure. Like, like a high volume of time spent with her, yeah. you know, asking her many questions. And then the answer to those questions, informing my belief about her. So her telling me about her taught me about her, you know what I mean? And, and, and believing what she says and then applying that and saying, okay, she likes this color. I should buy her things that are, you know what I mean? Yeah. Taking information I learned about her, uh, trusting it and then acting accordingly. That's how you develop a relationship with anybody. Would, you, you know. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that your 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 thoughts of your wife are different now than what like the way that you know your wife now is different than how you knew your wife earlier? Like yeah, absolutely. like my wife have my wife and I have conversations all the time. Like 
like, man, we thought we knew each other when we were dating. Right. We're getting ready to celebrate our 20th anniversary this yeah. year. We're like, we didn't know each other at all. No, like for sure. the way that we know each other now is different than the way we knew each other then. Yeah. How has your relationship, like, would you say that that's true of your relationship yeah, as absolutely. well? Yeah, absolutely. Me and Gina started dating when we were 14 years old. So I just turned 30. So that's a long time to be with a person, you know? Yeah. And the 14-year-old that Gina knew is very different than the 30-year-old she knows now. That's where Matt, Pastor Matthew's done a lot of great teachings about compatibility myths and about like, because even the idea of like you fall in love at 14, they're not going to be that person forever. You know what I mean? There's different well, people never change. Like I, I changed. Like, people, yeah, people, I've changed a lot. I changed a lot. People change a lot and, and they learn new things and hopefully they change according to the new yeah. things that they learned and their values change over time. And in my personality, I was kind of a late bloomer in general where I was like, you know, it, it's like the the thing of like guys develop, you know, slower than girls. That's really was true in my case. Like, <laughs> Me too, buddy. Yeah, like I, I really struggled for a long time with like, you know, impulse control and like, like, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. So for me, it's like, man, I'm a kind of a different person than I was at 14. You know, what I find funny is different. What I think is romantic is mm -hmm. different. What I think is exciting. What, what stimulates my mind, all very different things now. Um, and that volume of time with my wife, while we're totally different, understanding each other through those seasons as like our understanding of each other has changed and grown and ultimately gotten way deeper. Yeah. yeah. And your life experience together has informed that Absolutely. that new understanding, right? Yeah. I just had this conversation with Pastor Matthew today about online church. Um, I'm not going to make like a bunch of big opinions about online church. Some of this podcast is for, but generally my belief is that online church can be cool, but at some level being in proximity to people matters. So like online church to me sometimes can feel like if I tried to be married to my wife, but not live together. It's like, well, yeah. we don't really see each other ever, but we text a lot. It's like, that's not <laughs> like, you're not gonna convince me that you can have a fulfilling marriage exclusively done over text. At some point, being in proximity with other humans, being in proximity to the Holy Spirit creates that relationship and creates that understanding and creates that depth that you just can't get without being in proximity and that having a high volume of proximity as well. So, so take an un, uh, an unknowable God outside of the, the, the small glimpses he gives us in, um, in creation. Yeah. And, and we could say that, that creation is, uh, you could look at creation. When I look at creation, I think, man, God's all over this. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like we would say, it's subtle. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. So now God decides to reveal himself by telling us the story. So giving the, 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 the time spent together, the experience that they have together yeah. between him and his people. He tells us about himself by, by explaining who he is, sure. what he likes, what he doesn't like. And then he, he gives boundaries for the relationship. He, yeah. he, the, the, the box that you said, like yeah. he explains, this is how our relationship will work. And this is how, this is how you work best as a, a human being, yeah. because I created you. I, I know you. And so like when God decides to give all that to us, he so graciously decides to write it and provide it through these different texts of scripture. Yeah. So we have the history of the people of God through the Jewish people, and we have their experiences with who God is and, and what he's like and what he does and what he doesn't do and, yeah. and those types of things. And so what we're doing, what we get when, when God reveals, he's letting us know about himself so that we can have the relationship with God. Yeah. And yeah, so, absolutely. so that, that to me is a, a beautiful thing like God, God revealing himself and, and he didn't have to tell us about himself. Say, it's so generous because I don't think he had to. It's like, we, you know, that's never like a, like a pre-qualifier. Like he didn't have to give us his handbook about himself to understand himself. I mean, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but written into our DNA is the identity of God. Like that could have been enough. He'd be like, no, I showed you through creation who I am. Like, yeah. Like act accordingly. That would probably be enough. 
But I just think an extravagant generosity of God, he gave us this word, you know, and I think it's a you know, life changer for sure. Right. And, and so like, as we look at the Bible and its uniqueness, we are looking at a book that comes from someone to another person so that that we can know who God is, that we can be in relationship with God. And so when I think about like why God gave the Bible, that's what I go to. Like yeah. that that and Super that makes good. it unique because like I said, we're going to talk about the authority of scripture and why we believe that it is the accurate and yeah. true. I, I heard a pastor one time talk about the importance of theology and and I think it was Matt Chandler. I heard him say it. He's like, what if I told you that I had a beautiful wife and her red hair was just, it just was flowing and her green eyes were so beautiful. It was like the sky and, and, and just loved the way that, that she, she, um, she sang to me. And, and, and I told you that and you would think, man, your wife's amazing. Right. And he would, and you would go, and he says, up until the point that you met my brown-haired, brown-eyed wife. Sure. Who, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. So, like, the whole idea that God gives us an accurate and trustworthy right. and true account of who he is um, is going to be important for the people of God. Because yeah. what rides on it is our salvation, mm-hmm. our, our hope at yeah, life. Yeah, the stakes are pretty high. Yeah, the yeah. stakes are high. God, we, we walked away from the relationship from the get-go yeah. as human beings. And, and God, throughout the history of his people, throughout the history of mankind, has given us and revealed himself to us so that we can know that he loves us, that he's for yeah. us, and he wants to be in relationship with us, and he, that he's made a way for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the word of God is, is super important and unique in that way. Yeah. So, Michael, any other thoughts as we close up the podcast today? Any, anything else you want to say about the uniqueness of the Bible? Sure. You know, I... I, I've said this a couple times in a couple different podcasts, and I'll just say it one more time here because I think it's really fitting. Your understanding of other things in life matters because it impacts the way you behave. So that's why self-help books, it's like a billion-dollar industry. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? People— We want to be better people. We want to be better people, and we read that stuff. And I don't know if—I can really only speak for myself, but I am the kind of person that if I read something compelling, it'll lead me to action pretty quick. So, like— like if I read something, it's like, turns out we need to be having turmeric every day. I'd be like, okay, I'm in. Like, where's the tumor? Like, I'm, Somebody has said that. Yeah, I, like, I've heard that before. Yeah. Or if I hear something compelling, it's like, it will lead me to action because I, like most people, desire to have a good life. Like I want, if mm. I read something about health, if I read something about um, like a mental discipline, like you and I have talked about stoicism before. I got just yeah. like a Greek philosophy about being, you know, resilient in your mind and like uh-huh. controlling what you control. I got really into that and I put it to practice when I was a, when I was a young man, when I was graduating high school, because it made my life better and it mattered. The Bible is infinitely more important than everything I just talked about. Yeah. It's way more important than turmeric. It's way more important than stoicism and any kind of self-help book. The Bible is that important. And I think sometimes we can get trapped in this thinking of like the Bible. It's boring. Which I, I understand why you would say that. Like, I'm not going to tell you like, just read better. No, at times it can be boring. Like there are boring aspects of it when you're reading name after name or, yeah. or, or reading maybe a translation that doesn't connect with you. It can be really hard, but it's easy just to write it off. And, and something that, like I said, I've said a lot in different podcasts is people write it off. Like I'm just not like a theology person. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a big Bible guy. Like, but I talked to God. I'm not a big Bible person. What I would tell you is you are a theology person. You are a Bible person right now. You're just not very good at it. And that, <laughs> and that, you're the person walking around yeah. saying, describing your wife it, in a different way. Exactly. So. Exactly. You're the one who doesn't have this. And here's why, why this matters to me about like understanding the value of the word of God and getting into it yourself is that life is long and really hard and really complicated. 
and the amount of times in my life that something devastating has happened that I've had the word of God to rely on because I know what it says, that's also one of the things that makes it unique. Yeah. It's better than any self-help book. It's better than any, any new, you know, you know, workout trend. It's life-changing. Yeah. And the access to that life change, you don't want to have to call a pastor every time you hit a bump in the road. Yeah. And while that's appropriate too, you can do that. Sure. It you want to be able to rely on the word of God, and that's only possible if you know the word of God. Yeah. No other book can I say that about, about the uniqueness of like it's what you mentioned. This is what brings us salvation. No nowhere else is are the stakes this high. So don't be comfortable saying, well, I'm just not a Bible guy, I'm not a theology person. I'm just not really yeah, become one. <laughs> like, yeah. like read your Bible. Because you uniquely, it it will change your life more than anything else in the entire world. You know, and there's really no, I've never heard a valid reason not to. You know, yeah. Because there's too many ways to consume it too. Like I can't read. You can listen. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's so many ways that you can consume this and really understand it. You know, that'd be the last thing I'd say. Cool. And to piggyback on yours, my closing thought is this: like the the uniqueness doesn't end in how it was written. The uniqueness doesn't end in in the fact that God revealed Himself to us. It's the fact that God continues to reveal Himself to us. Oh, so good. And and so the unique thing comes out of Hebrews is in my closing thought is, man, the Holy Spirit still speaks through the Word of God. It's yeah. unique in that like, even though these these writings were written thousands of years ago, you and I can sit here today. We could sit down. We could read the Bible, and and we can in our own lives, see what God wants to say to us because God wants to relate to us. He wants to be in relationship with us. And, and he has something to say even to us through these texts. And yeah. that is the Holy Spirit yeah, incredible. inspiring yeah. the, the scriptures to this day. So they continue to be inspired. Not yeah. They weren't just inspired once. They, they are still inspired and in speaking to our lives. Yeah, and, and they're going to keep being that. So yes. even, even if you're listening to this, you're like, I've read the Bible so many times, read it again. Because yeah. I... Because the, Whatever season of life you're in, the Holy Spirit could expose to you a new truth. That's where I said one of the most important things about biblical literacy is allowing the Holy Spirit to give you that revelation and expose you or show you something. It doesn't matter how many times you've read it. I, right. Like, I mean, you you and Pastor Matthew are probably some of the most read people in the Bible that I know. And I've still heard both of you on a somewhat consistent basis say, I just read this. I've read it. It blew my mind. Like, yeah. <laughs> where Matt says that a lot. I was like, I never even knew that that's what that. And I was like, oh, duh. And it's like, yeah. You've been a pastor for 20, 30 years. How long has been a pastor? That's incredible that the Bible is still alive yeah. and the Holy Spirit is still alive in us and showing us that new stuff, you know? And, yeah. and that's, I think, I think you're right. I think that's the greatest miracle of it is that it, it's still living and it applies today because we have the, the living God. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Well, awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having and I me. really appreciate your insights in this, in this study. Um, so thank you again for listening. We are going to continue in this series. We're going to do a couple more weeks and then we're going to take a break and we're actually going to jump into um, and jump into the book of Jonah. So that's going to be our kind of our kickoff uh, book of this year. And um, we'll do that here in, a, in probably about three or four weeks from now. And so um, in the meantime, if you have any questions about what we talked about today, if you have questions about anything regarding the, the books that we've done in the past or anything regarding just general Bible questions that you have, again, send that email to uh, the one in the show notes, the TCBS questions at tcbs. Uh, at the tree.church. I just butchered that. Go to the show notes <laughs> and, and get it from there so that you don't mess it up because uh, having the address right does matter. Like it won't get to me if it's TCBS not. questions at the tree.church. Just there in case you you're listening on Spotify. You there know. you go. So uh, join us again next week as we get ready to talk about another aspect of getting to know your Bible. And uh, we hope that you're enjoying these and that you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.